Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, August 23rd. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about Pope County casino drama, Tom Cotton in Greenland, future of the Little Rock, Little Rock School District, and maybe some more. I'm joined once again by Max Brantley. Hello. Uh, so we didn't really plan for this, but essentially have taken a summer break of the podcast, but I think uh, both of our schedules are such that uh, we're we're in it to win it now, and we're we'll, back. We'll be with you w- on For a, a weekly while. basis. So let's start in Pope County, where all the news happened this week. Well, it's and, just in recent weeks. Yeah, I guess it, the 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 big climax started happening last week when the when the Pope County Quorum Court met and and endorsed the Cherokee tribe's proposal to build a casino in Pope County under the new constitutional amendment. There was no formal announcement in advance this was going to happen. Uh, There was no discussion among the five competing proposals to build a casino there. They just did a deal with the Cherokees, who the county judge had in secret hammered out an agreement with for them to spend almost $40 million on a variety of public agencies if the deal goes through. Uh, this has caused just an <laughs> an outrage. I mean, there 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 are two lawsuits pending. One of them is that there's a county ordinance that says there must be an election before the quorum court uh, endorses something. Uh, uh, there's a strong legal belief that that ordinance is unconstitutional, but it nonetheless is a law. There's a lawsuit by a casino operator that <laughs> had come in with a application approved by a previous county officials and they say that should that should uh, control uh because the amendment says nothing about the says nothing being about current. it being current officials just says has local officials approval uh i think that's a pretty good legal argument by the way i don't necessarily say it will win but it 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 rings true they've added a new uh condition on the state constitutional amendment which normally you can't do uh there's a dispute now brewing on whether the suit should be tried in Pulaski County, where appeals of administrative decisions normally are heard, although they change the state law so you could take a case out in the state and get some home cooking if you wanted. But Gulfside Casino from Mississippi doesn't want home cooking. It wants it heard in, in Pulaski County. Uh, somebody's filed a, a bunch of ethics complaints that suggest quorum court members, among others, have had some relationships that weren't disclosed with people who are seeking casino licenses. It just it's just kind of put a cast of pall over the whole process, but big money will, will do that. And so the Raising Commission now has one new application. It will take applications through mid-November. Uh, it will undoubtedly, I would guess at that point, approve the Cherokee's application unless the pending court actions stop them from going forward with that process. So right now it's just all it's just all one big ball of confusion. But in Pine Bluff, they're they're building away. They're just building like crazy. The Quapaws, uh, I don't think there was the same degree of interest in going to Pine Bluff. I don't think it was viewed as, for whatever reason, quite as good a place. But the Quapaw uh, tribe did its groundwork and made friends and, and pointedly said we didn't offer any I don't want to use the word bribes, but any financial incentives to get you to take our deal. I mean, they're going to produce tax revenues for Jefferson County, and there will be benefits, but they didn't come up with a laundry list of payouts to, to sweeten the pot. They said they wanted to avoid the appearance of conflict of interest, and to that I say good for them. Yeah. I think there's a little uh, 
convenience store that's kind of a mini casino that's soon right open. right they're gonna they're gonna get to gambling real soon in a converted truck stop casino and i guess they're I heard uh, from their marketing man that uh, the items, they're going to really emphasize uh, good uh, food in the casino uh, convenience store. We shall see. Fried boudin balls, which I think were designed specifically to appeal to me, so I don't know. All right, well. Uh, So Tom Cotton admitted this week that he was behind, uh, or at least one of those behind President Trump's interest in purchasing Greenland. He, he might have been the guy, although there's some others that are back it, but you know, Trump let it be known that he was interested in buying Greenland and the country of Denmark, which, which supports Greenland, which is a semi-autonomous state, said, we're not interested, it's not for sale. And the world has mostly been laughing at this, but then Trump, Tom Cotton pretty much stood up and admitted, yeah, it's a great idea, I'm for it, and any, anybody who thinks otherwise is just stupid and has Trump derangement syndrome. Well, I think it's pretty stupid to propose buying something that's not for sale. I think you have to be a few bricks shy of a load or a megalomaniac, which I, I think Tom Cotton is certainly the latter, to think that you can go out and propose buying a country. I, it'd be like Denmark saying we want to buy Arkansas. I don't know why they'd want it, but if, the, but if they did, I'm sure Tom Cotton would call it absurd, which it would be absurd. So, but uh, the, the Republican Party, unbelievably, it's in, talk about Trump derangement syndrome. They won't say anything bad about it. They're trying to do some fundraising, selling some stuff that shows a U.S. map that includes Greenland as part of it. It's just, but then it got crazier. I mean, Trump had one of those just amazing weeks. He insulted Jewish people by saying if you, they voted Democratic, they were crazy. He uh, called himself the chosen he one. He called himself the chosen one. He uh, cheered on a guy who compared him to the second coming of Christ. Uh, today, he said the chairman of the Federal Reserve is, a, is an enemy of the United States and more dangerous than the head of communist China. Uh, he prompted an implosion of the stock market by ordering U.S. companies to stop manufacturing in China as if he has the power to do this, which he does not. I think the Constitution doesn't give him that sort of power. He's just, you know, really, I I do think they're starting to develop a theme that he's nuts. In your guts, you know he's nuts and that he's not competent to be president. I don't think anything practically will come of that, but I happen to think that's, you know, going after him point by point, Supreme Court appointments, this or that or the other thing, I think that's a losing battle. What he proved in tearing Hillary apart is establishing a good, understandable meme that appeals to a lot of people works. In her case, Hillary's a bitch. Right. Well, in this case, Trump's crazy and a, and a liar. And both things are, you know, there's an abundance of evidence. Yeah. I mean, you could pretty much pick anything. He's Just, I mean, yeah. Evil, unethical. Misogynistic, you know. I mean, he's a sociopath. He has no empathy whatsoever. I mean, this this showing where he went to hospitals where they were treating people that were victims of mass slaughter and getting himself photographed with a smile and a thumbs up. And talking about big crowds. That it, and you know. saying it was about the crowds that came to see and lying about that too, by the way. But even if it were true... That, that it's about how Donald Trump was treated and not that he did this in front of the family of a child who was orphaned by a mass killer had a thumbs up. What was the thumbs up for? It, it's uh, his, his insensitivity is stunning. Yeah, it really is. Uh, with the time running out that the state can hold on to the Little Rock School District, uh, which has been under state control <laughs> since 2015, 
The State Board of Education has scheduled a series of meetings to talk about the future of the district. Uh, the first one was held earlier this week. There's several more planned. Um, the the I covered the meeting and it it was as I reported. If if you didn't know what was going on and education policy and the law and behind the scenes, you would be left fairly baffled by it. Uh, but the the kind of cut and dry version is the state in February set exit criteria as it's required by law um, for what the district has to do to, to get out of state control. Nuts that it took it that long to come up with exit criteria. Also, exit criteria can be anything. It's not spelled out in the law. The state clearly made it, designed it in such a way that Little Rock will fail. Little Rock will fail. So that was not explained at all. If Litterock is still under, is is does not meet the exit criteria, then the state has three options: it can annex, consolidate, or reconstitute the district. Uh, the first two aren't practical options uh, because Pulaski County uh, Special School District remains under a desegregation order and its boundaries can't be adjusted. It would be dumb for Litterock to join up with North Litterock. Nobody's talking about that. So that leaves reconstitution, which is not explained. It's not defined in law. So these meetings ostensibly are to get public feedback on what a reconstituted Litterock school district <laughs> could, could be. But they're basically a sham. It's a sham. It's a total. Those the surveys that they prepared for people to answer more than revealed their hand. I mean, it was not even a subtle tip of the hand. It's they're considering having an appointed, not an elected school board. They want a ratification of their view that the, that the teachers union must go. They want to blame the problems on teachers, not the not the home life of the sorts of children some s- schools receive. They want to create an apartheid district that has has have and have not schools. Uh, if the Walton Foundation money has its way, they'll create a, a white high school in, in West Little Rock and, and kill Central High School for all time. It's a uh, there's no doubt that that putting some schools in the hands of private operators is on the agenda. It's a, it's a screw job for Little Rock, no more, no less. And it and, and the notion that this is coming from people who failed in five years of running the district to, in their view, improve the district, uh, it, it's an insult to Little Rock voters and, and Little Rock people. And it's a shame, but I, I'm afraid the I'm afraid the train has left the station. There is a, a sign of pretty healthy pushback. I mean, they- <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think they were a little surprised how some of the questions were received, but. This notion, which I think is, uh, you know, among school reformers is, is seen as the gospel truth that teachers are to blame for uh, low test scores in certain schools. I mean, some teachers just really let them have it. No, yeah. there's some teachers. There's some bad teachers out there. There are bad teachers in charter schools, private schools, everywhere. But sure. there's some teachers that are working their hearts out with really difficult cases, cases full of kids who can't speak English, of kids who are homeless, of kids who come from no-parent households, of kids who arrive in kindergarten that don't know their name and don't know the alphabet, and they're blaming the teachers for this. It's, it's uh, as I say, it's, it's an insult, but it shows how, how ins- it's, sort of, it's sort of this privilege thing. It's not all white male privilege because some of the viewpoints are being carried by, by black people on the board, but it's... It's just they, they just make these assumptions 
about the schools, and it's just so terribly unfair. I mean, it's the good, good case in point was the almost instantaneous makeover of the test scores of uh, Forest Heights Junior High when it was converted from a district-wide junior high to an East STEM specialty campus. Suddenly, it's a success. Or just a STEM, not East or a STEM. STEM. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not yeah, just a STEM campus. Suddenly, it's it's just doing great. Well, it's because they, it's not because they threw out bad teachers and hired good teachers. It's because they changed the student body. Yeah. The students better situated to succeed. I I don't know. I, I I'm I'm not sure what the except I think mass resistance. Well, is only hope. I think that it has been difficult. Uh, for activists to get going because it's such an arcane battle. The things that, that have been going on, whether it's teacher fair dismissal or return from from return to local control, those those are things that don't really impact people's daily lives. But if if it comes out that they want to divide the district on geographic and racial lines and give big chunks of it to charter operators. I think even people, you know, who who have fairly, um, you know, provincial concerns, who just care about what's going on with their kids north of the interstate, are going to be upset. I hope so. You know, there's a real ironic backdrop to this story in Little Rock, which gets into the intricacies of the school reform movement. But as many people know, the Walton Family Foundation poured hundreds of millions of dollars in the University of Arkansas to create an education reform unit that that ostensibly is serious academic research and what have you, but, but essentially serves as a propaganda and cheerleader for the Walton's school reform view, which is charter schools, kill teachers' unions, vouchers, whatever, anything but democratically controlled local school districts. Well, unfortunately, study after study is showing the fallacy of of judging schools by test scores. Uh, Charter schools and voucher programs haven't done very well, so they're they're busy working up new methods of of demonstrating success of schools. One of their favorites is, is in Milwaukee as well. Kids who went to the voucher schools later in life had fewer arrest records or something. It just, or they graduated college later better. I mean, just coming up with new things. And it's funny, I had a brief discussion with Jay Green, who's one of the leaders of the education reform unit up there. And he tells me he's working on a story that he's going to hopefully publish in the Houston Chronicle that writes about how it's a bad idea for the state of Texas to take over the Houston Independent School District, which is very much like Little Rock, except much bigger. Sure. Some some failing, so-called failing schools because of bad demographics and what you'd expect. And I look forward to seeing that because I think some of this is a reflection of the reality that demographics are destiny. Poor kids have a harder time lifting them up. That happens over and over again. The other thing about taking over a school district, as the state has learned, then you get blamed for the failure. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. But I shouldn't laugh about this because... The future of this entire city and county are locked up in what happens with our public schools. We're suffering now from decades of of people dumping on the public schools and leaving them for a variety of reasons. I think race had a lot to do with it. I think class had a lot to do with it. Crime in the inner city had things to do with it. And and if we don't fix it, the notion that that a crazy quilt system of 
have and have not schools and charter schools and vouchers and online school will make this the kind of place a big company wants to move into and, and have every parent have to face this perplexing dilemma of how do you decide where your kid goes to school. I, I think people kid themselves if they think that's better. Yeah. So. All right. Well, one more item uh, you, you had today on the blog about Supreme Court Justice Joe Hart seeking re-election and how that might figure in with Attorney General Leslie Rutledge's future. Well, uh, it's fairly simple. Uh, Joe Hart turns 76 this year. If she runs again in March for another term on the Supreme Court, she'll have to give up her retirement benefits. Uh, most judges, e- even if they think they can keep working, giving up your retirement benefits means if you get disabled, you give them up. And so the thought is she wouldn't do that. But there's she is close friends with Leslie Rutledge. Their families go way back. Uh, Leslie Rutledge worked for us as a law clerk. There's a long-running rumor that uh, Joe Hart is not going to run for re-election but won't announce that till the very last minute and then Leslie Rutledge will quickly file for the office unopposed and be elected. Uh, the developments on this are twofold or threefold. Both Joe Hart and Leslie Rutledge have refused to answer my direct questions in writing on what their political future plans are. And two, because of the widespread belief that there is a deal cut by Hart and Rutledge. Chip Welch, who's a circuit judge in Little Rock and a longtime practicing lawyer, is now thinking seriously about making the race. He doesn't have any brief against Joe Hart, and, and if she absolutely were running again, he would not be a candidate. But he has to make plans to run. Uh, he can't wait until the last minute. And if she's not going to declare, he's going to presume that the deal is in and he's going to raise money and run for the office. He can run as a judge. He's well-known, has a good record, uh, ran unopposed twice for circuit judge here. One candidate who was going to run for the seat the first time dropped out when he got in. He's that well thought of. Uh, He uh, made a brief remark to me about the trend of people running for judicial offices is essentially declared Republicans, although they're nonpartisan seats. Rhonda Wood and Sean Womack did that on the Supreme Court. Leslie Rutledge would do the same. He just thinks justice should be blind to partisanship, and he's exactly right and wants the independent judiciary. Joe Hart has been pretty independent. That's one of her great strengths. She's, if anything, unpredictable, but I think we're 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 facing a very interesting time is running short the filing period begins in early november it's just a little more than two months away and so uh it's uh it could say a lot about the future of the arkansas supreme court finally and in addition to the fact that leslie rutledge has been a doctrinaire republican and carried a national litigation agenda in favor of corporate interest against gay rights, against abortion rights, against voting rights, against, I mean, the environment, terrible on the environment. Uh, she just isn't of the intellectual stature to be on the Arkansas Supreme Court, if I can, that's about as nicely as I can say it. She was fired from a DHS job, said do not rehire. She was so incompetent. She really hadn't held any jobs for any great period, except for a few years as clerk to Joe Hart some years ago. So. But uh, that it, if she's identified as a Republican, that may be enough in Arkansas. All right, well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. <coughs> well, uh, go to Berlin. <laughs> okay. If you <Sold>. can. <laughs> that was the highlight of my long sojourn in Europe. It's an exciting city with just more stuff to see and do than you can possibly do. How big is Berlin compared to... 
Well, it's the biggest city in Germany. Out of three million people, maybe it's big. And I mean, it, museums and businesses and shopping, and it's. But it also has this huge cutting edge element of young, hip kind of anarchistic kind of people it, it just has a little i talked to my son about it he'd been and, and he said you know i hearing what you did it's like we went to two different cities yeah <laughs> so, and that's probably true i mean i was i was going to bed about the time he was getting up you know so in berlin but uh right but i and and the other part about going to berlin and germany in general is that the public infrastructure you know berlin has a it has an underground, it has a rail line, it has a tram line, it has bus lines, the railroads, it has these, they all interconnect, they're easy to use, it's just fabulous. Wow. And, and relatively, in Berlin, relatively, I mean, they're expensive hotels, but I mean, you can eat in Berlin fairly cheaply. It's, I mean, it's kind of affordable and once you get once you get there, I mean, it's expensive sure. to get there. So I recommend it. Okay. Put on my list. Uh, I w- will endorse uh, uh, regularly scheduled friend trips. This uh, last weekend was the fifth edition of my annual uh, friend weekend at uh, Greer's Ferry with all these guys that I went to high school with and, and several guys that I have been friends with my entire life. And uh, all of us are spread out all over the country now. Some are still here, but but uh, many of us have, have moved on and it's just become a really like important thing for all of us to get together. And uh, I think as you grow older, it's harder to stay in touch with your friends. So annual trips, that's where it's at. Well, that sounds nice. You're mentioning that makes me think of one other thing, your, your boyhood in Searcy. Uh, we went to the debut this week at the Arkansas Cinema Society's Festival of the Film on Mike uh, Mike Beebe that's going to be shown on AETN August 29th. Uh, Catherine Tucker, the head of the Cinema Society, directed it, and her husband Gabe Mahan did the cinematography. It's an hour long. It's uh, it's it's really good. It's uh, I recommend it highly. I mean, Beebe is an interesting character and has a great life story and and, and built a in the end, thanks to Arkansas Works, the Medicaid expansion particularly kind of left a lasting monument to his time here. And I think if you watch it, you'll generally enjoy it. Very well done. Is there some Amagon footage? Oh, a lot of Amagon footage and a lot of Cersei footage. And, you know, one of the, I will say one of the most appealing aspects of it is Ginger BB. Yeah. She's just real. She's She's, she's just real. That's all. Always very sweet. Yeah. So, were there any pictures of uh, Mike BB coaching me in AAU basketball or, or Pee Wee? No, basketball? but he, he he remembered you kindly at, a, at the cocktail party before the event and knew you when you were a tad. But uh, there are a lot of pictures of him from high school days and college days, and I mean, tons of archival stuff. And that's one of the real. They really went through the scrapbooks. You know, I mean. You know, brought up son of a single waitress who bounced around the country and never knew his father. I mean, it's a, it's a rags to riches story. Yeah. All right, check it out. Thanks for listening. Subscribe via your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next time. See ya.